Hi, I'm Subhas. Welcome to the Net Hero podcast. Now, sustainability, net zero, all of that involves targets. Now, we've been looking at targets for pretty much since the beginning of 2019 when we signed up to setting ourselves the net zero target of 2050. Now, you may have heard of the SBTI, the Science-Based Targets Initiative. It's a term that's banded around a lot and it's kind of the gold standard for what companies aspire to. So when you see lots of companies saying they're signing up to net zero, a lot of them, particularly the big ones, in fact, nearly all of them have been big so far, say that we're trying to align to these goals. But what are they? How do they work? And are they actually relevant for 99% of businesses? Well, that's what I'm going to discuss today on the Net Hero podcast with Chris Hocknell from a company called 8Versa. Chris, lovely to speak to you. Pleasure to be with you. Firstly, what is 8Versa? You're a sort of consultancy, is that right? Yeah, we consider ourselves uh, an advisory firm ultimately. So we work with organisations from the private sector, some in non-profit, but predominantly companies and businesses that are trying to make sense of net zero and their sustainability strategy. And we're really trying to move them from A to B to C. And yeah. now we're talking net zero a lot. And it's really can a company or how does a company be net zero? And what does that look like over the next three, five years? You have been in the business for what, 10 years or more? A bit longer, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, kind of proper carbon footprinting and these kind of strategic type pieces of work over 10. But I started off in the built environment which is quite heavily regulated in terms of the uh, kind of sustainability and say carbon side of things. So we have a whole lot of regulations there. So a lot of that is someone comes to us with a building or a development of some description and we need to you know, interrogate how it performs from a sustainability perspective. Mm. And it's, it's a whole load of policy rules and regulations. And that's where I cut my teeth and uh, now moving more so into the corporate space where those learnings of regulatory and strategic technical challenges can be uh, put to good effect. So you were doing carbon footprints, is that right, 10 years ago? Yes, yeah, carbon footprints come. Flipping egg. Who was having them done, mate? That's, that's, that's <laughs> I'd never even heard of them 10 years ago. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, a few nerds, really. <laughs> yeah. So in terms of what a carbon footprint is, mm. let's give it a very simple example to the listener, because they've probably heard this a lot of time. Mm. And, you know, there's still a lot of confusion around it before we talked about the SBTIs. But a carbon footprint as such is kind of like a measure of, of the state of health of your company when it comes to its emissions, isn't it? Yes. So when we do a footprint, our job is to basically calculate the entirety, really. That's what we should be aiming for, the entirety of your carbon impact and for an organization that would be electricity yeah heating for the buildings um if they have company cars fuel they're consuming the cars and then everything they purchase and buy in and all of their products and things for the for the kitchen um employee commutes and air travel everything that that company needs to do so in order to run a business we have a carbon factor associated with it we sum it all up and that is your annual carbon footprint now, we've seen many of these tools around a long time, but I've always wondered where we get the value. So what is the value that's set for, I don't know, one mile travelled in an ICE car compared to one mile travel in an EV or one tonne of waste? Where do we get the actual carbon equivalency that you guys use and nearly everyone does to say this is your value that adds up to be the carbon footprint? So... In the UK, we're quite fortunate. We have UK government statistics and data. Um, DEFRA produce, produce data, which is very useful for us. So if we're looking at relatively think, simple things like car travel, for example, they will tell us you know, the average 
diesel car would consume this much diesel in order to drive one kilometer. And then we just need to work out how is the travel distance. So that's quite straightforward. Um, as time's gone by, we, the, the databases and data are getting better, but it is a bit of a challenge we have is the data just is a bit weak. It is, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things, you know, we can talk about the scope one and two, probably most people have got to handle, but scope three is very, very difficult mm-hmm. to, to measure. Oh, yeah. And a lot of criticism people say is that whether it's fair or not, is that a lot of this is it's rapidly moving. Yes. So the carbon intensity of one kilowatt hour generated today is very different to what it was 10 years ago, Mm -hmm. right? When there's a lot more coal in there and it'll be very different in five years time. So when you go to looking at the footprints and stuff, how much would you say you could actually say, hand on heart, this is really what you're producing? Or you say, let's be honest, this is a guesstimate and it's kind of in this ballpark because no one can be that accurate unless you've got a whole scientific set of equipment. No one's going to be that accurate around everything because we're all working from data that is constantly shifting. Yeah. So there's two key pieces of information you probably need to know if you got, if we were to interrogate an inca- a carbon footprint. And then um, when we're looking at calculating it, we have two data sources. One's what we call physical data yeah. and one is financial data. So physical data will be litres of fuel, kilowatt hours from the meter. And that's very, very um, accurate because as I say we have those government carbon factors and we we have the physical value one times the other we have the value what the challenge is is the financial data so for example you know we're spending ten thousand pounds on procurement in uh, paper products yeah or whatever it might be we getting a factor for that is a global average and it has lots of uncertainty and in, when we do our calculations our role as carbon footprinters there is really to kind of quantify that uncertainty so we do footprints and we will say you have a 42 percent uncertainty in that calculation so it could be quite a bit higher or, or a lot i mean that's a massive leeway level isn't it really yeah it is yeah but th- this is the thing so this is why if you look not all carbon footprints are created equal i suppose because uh if you're looking at a company's carbon footprint and they're using lots of physical data miles driven you know kilowatt hours at the meter whatever it might be you you can have high level of reliability if you see stacks and stacks of financial data where we're just looking at spend and we've got to use proxy carbon data that's when it gets really uncertain and that's the challenge so what we need to do over time is move from the financial spend based data to actual hard data and that's a very interesting one because there are a lot of companies out there basically doing this equivalency mm-hmm. which is you're turning over this much that means this much carbon but that's not really true no and you know there are certain very big banks we won't name them but you know, they've been in the news quite lately there are loads of people who are partnering up and saying just give it let's make it as simple as possible you tell me your turnover and this is your carbon but that's because there isn't really proper regulatory framework you can get away with that what's your take on that whole thing of kind of you know ballpark Mm -hmm. turnover the financial thing you're saying about kind of there's a financial equivalency to carbon because that's not any way really accurate yeah it's a problem it's a starting point we have and we're making the best of it i think we need to have a little bit of i suppose humility around that in the sense that you know if someone's telling you that you know they've reduced by 4.23 percent forget the decimals because you'd be lucky if we get to you know whole percentages yeah absolutely so kind of we need to take it with a pinch of salt so it's only ever somewhat directional and it's kind of oh it looks like it's gone down that's great so we have that challenge there i think we just need to work on getting that data quality better and better over time what we want when we work with our companies the first thing we say is the data's a bit shaky we think your footprint is a thousand tons 
your first point of action for year two is to go and speak to these suppliers and instead of using yeah. proxy data, yeah. ask them yeah. how much what is their footprint and then we can can improve data quality. And once we've got that, we'll be uh, we'll be in a much better place. But there are standards. The greenhouse gas protocol yep. is what I'd recommend anyone referring to. And there are ISO standards which give you guidance as how to calculate um for the most accuracy. But like all models and all energy systems, it's garbage in, garbage out. So we need to make sure we're working on the data quality. Let's talk about the Science-Based Targets Initiative. Mm. So give us an outlook of, of how this came about mm. and, and where it's come from so that people have heard the term SBTI, maybe their companies are doing it, but they don't even know where it, where it came from. So let's do a little bit of a, a history lesson. So where were Science-Based Targets first set? Who set these targets and what do they mean? Okay, so the SBTI is really a product of I suppose, a consortium of a few different organizations, NGOs. There's a UN department in there, CDP, who do kind of carbon disclosure, um, WWF, World Resources Institute. So it's a handful of these organizations that have come together and have tried to set a definition for net zero. So we did have a real wild west, partially still do, (laughs) in the carbon space where... Everyone's got their own definitions, and we see this in companies still now. They have net zero, and then they have an asterisk, and then you go down to the footnote, Correct. and it's something different. So they tried to standardize that, and their, their first kind of corporate manual was in 2001, and they said, this is what net zero means. And then we've had the latest release this year, a couple of, a few months ago. So they've what's happened is they have basically defined the definition of net zero, which is really, really good, and we're very, very happy they did it. But the problem we've got is it rather than it becoming a, a way forward or a definition of net zero is now being used as the definition of net zero. And the problem with the definition as it stands is it's not very inclusive for many companies. And, and that's the whole point, isn't it? Because, you know, we can get to saying you reduce as much as you can, you know, cut all your emissions and then what's left you can offset. And th- this is where your net zero is. But to reach the standards of what is reducing, you have to aspire to meet what the SBTI targets are, aren't they? So you had a point which I thought was the real, and get you on there, you said that the methodology for SBTIs is not right for 99% of companies, right? It's not practical for SMEs or mid-sized companies, and it only works if you've got a big old department where you've got a whole bunch of scientists or sustainability experts crunching the data. Why do you say that? Okay, so the key thing is that we have this, it really works on the principle of carbon budgets. So if your company is... You want to be SBTI aligned. You look at your footprint in 2020 and it was 100 tonnes of carbon. SBTI says that needs to be 10 tonnes of carbon by 90% reduction by no later than 2050. Absolute carbon terms. If you're an SME, which is 99% of the companies and 50% yeah. of economic yeah. activities. We are one as ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, if you're hopefully going to be a bigger company tomorrow and hopefully your, your product and what you're doing is fantastic and we want more people to to take it up. If you're trying to grow at 10 or 15% a year, there we go. how do you have a, a fixed budget of carbon and grow? And that's the problem. And that's the issue, isn't it? Because, you know, we've done our own carbon footprint and obviously it was down in the pandemic the first year we did it. Mm-hmm. And then it went up and then we then counteracted because we moved to some EVs, but we then had a very big event, right? A very big event. Mm-hmm. We accounted for that carbon. Yeah. Now, Technically, you could say, well, we shouldn't really, but no, that's our event. We put it on in a third party space and we made the effort to say, right, what is this? Obviously not in absolute terms, but as near as damn mm-hmm. it. And that's 98% of our carbon yeah. comes from that big event because the rest of the time we're just... Oh. So 
for us to say that we would try and align to SBTR targets, it's very difficult, isn't it? Because you can't quantify what that means because I can't get an absolute reduction if my turnover is going up, my expenses are going up, mm-hmm. and basically my carbon is going up as I'm trying to succeed, but I'm still trying to cut. So why do you think the SBTIs don't seem to counteract that? Is it just because it's been designed in a lab for kind of really technical, large companies who can then apply this? Partially, yes. The truth is I don't quite know why because it's a little bit doesn't work for me. And many of the people I've spoken to, an organization I've spoken to, I know it does not work for them because we've crunched the numbers for them. We know it doesn't work. I think it's a bit it's a bit big businessy mindset. Mm. I don't think they're to be fair, they have an FAQs SPTI and they say this standard isn't really for SMEs. And then they have some supplementary guidance, which is if, if you are an SME, this is what we recommend. And so I think it's big business kind of outlook. And I think it's there's this conflict of reality and kind of the theory. You know, you can imagine if someone had an Excel sheet and they do some nice number crunching and we yeah. we need to get down to 1.5 degrees C. So that means a 90% yeah. reduction. Let's divide 30 years by 90% reduction. And that's what we all do, agreed. But then that comes into conflict with COVID, with with economic cycles, with the need for businesses to go up and down and people still need products and services. And it's that clash of kind of theory and the real world. The trouble is that, you know, all the things you've just said, they're very interesting because, you know, we're post-pandemic, hopefully. <laughs> There's another one. There's been the big challenge of obviously what's happened with Ukraine mm. and the war there, and then the general kind of, you know, cost of living crisis. And businesses are fighting all these things at the same time. And this is where I've seen the concern is that although businesses want to be better mm. and cleaner, mm. they're suddenly thinking, well, I need to invest in this to expand my business. But if I do, my carbon is going to go there. So how's that going to affect my net zero ambition and also my compliance with it? What do you think the problem is? Is it because it's an absolute system, this absolute contraction that is the biggest issue with SBTIs for most businesses? Yeah. In a nutshell, it is the absolute, what's called absolute contraction, year on year contraction of, of carbon amount in total terms um, every year. It Mathematically. It can't be done, can it? Not at the moment. We need a wave of you know, new technologies. And you know you need to be able to go out to a shop or as a company, be able to procure options of different suppliers. You need to have a supplier A with a great new technology, which is half the carbon supply being you go, great, let's use them. Yes. You need those options on the table. And without those options, you, you don't have a lower carbon path in front of you. So we need the innovations. We need these these challenging SMEs that are going to break through with new technologies that are better than the incumbents. And, you know, that's one of the problems. If we put carbon budgets on these innovators or these companies, these smaller SMEs and tech companies, and we often use the example of, say, Tesla, who have been around for not very long, and suddenly, you know, they could not dream of being an SBTI land company. However, no, we, we really want them to sell more cars, all things considered, on balance. So... If, if we're disincentivizing them and they can't participate and we're not giving giving them the platform they need to grow and to, to help push things, we've got a real problem. Is this really where the greenwashing thing comes in, which is where everyone's saying, I'm committing to these targets, but they know they can't really. 
And so, you know, we've seen it, right? We've seen a spate of it. Mm. Probably 18 months ago, everyone you could name, we're going to do this, we'll be net zero by then, we'll be net zero by then, we'll be carbon neutral in our operation, whatever. Loads and loads of commitments. And then you hear nothing. Mm. So I and we call this term green wishing, not greenwashing. <laughs> I like it, green wishing. <laughs> I think sometimes the greenwash term can be a bit accusational and negative. And I do believe that a lot of the time, the people who are advocating for this, I think they're, their heart's in the right place. But you know, just because you want it to happen doesn't mean it's technically going to. And I myself, I'm not an activist. I'm kind of more from a technical no, absolutely. engineering background. And I'm not really interested in the activism. I want to see how, tell me how we do this. Like, what it, what are the substitutions? What business decisions are we making? And that's what I care about. And as someone who's there to try and go from A to B, I look at the rules and I'm saying this isn't working. And, you know, that's why we're advocating for this intensity way of dealing with the problem, uh, you know, kind of amount of carbon per unit output, whatever it might be for, for the relevant company. And that's the correct way to benchmark all companies, because what we want is each company to do what they're doing better and better year on year rather than giving them budgets that they can't achieve. Explain your intensity, because I, I thought this was quite interesting. So in a nutshell, what you're saying is we should be judged by what we did last year, not the absolute SPI targets that we cannot match. That's what you're saying. So mm. it's the onus on businesses to try and say, do a little bit every year to do a bit better. Is that what you're trying to say? And how would these intensity factors work? Would there be a universal in your idea or is it specific per company? I think broadly speaking, the, if everyone were using intensity, it would be better because then we allow comparisons between organizations and those who are doing a bit better, which is very important. And we don't want two tier kind of systems and races, you know, so an intense, how an intensity would work if we look at our own organizations. So we have yep. 50 people and then we obviously there's a certain amount of hours and advisory hours we spend the clients per annum. And then we all have a footprint. So we would take our footprint and then we would say, well, how many hours do we, you know, for that amount of carbon, how many hours advisory service do we give? And then next year, maybe we give 10% more hours advisory. For the same carbon or less. Yeah. Yeah. And then we can, so actually we're getting better at what we're doing and whether it's producing t-shirts or it's an events company that's looking at attendees to the event. And that's the point. And if we use an intensity metric, we want to be able to look at everyone in the market. We want to look at all advisory, consultancy, professional services companies. And we want to see that them as a whole are going down. What we don't care about is one big brand in, in, a, in a space who's doing SBTI and we're all clapping and it's fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and the rest aren't doing anything or they can't. You, you and I are on the same page there. That's it. And, right. and, that's, yeah. and that's where right. I think the whole problem and what we've tried to address with, with Future Net Zero is that it's seen as something that is a nice to have, mm. but is out of the reach of, not, as you say, 95, 98% of businesses. What traction have you had with your idea for these kind of carbon intensity metrics rather than signing up for that for the smaller businesses? Have you put it out there? Have you talked to people in industry? Have you had conversations with government? We, we have, yeah. We've been trialing this with, for about a year now with various different organisations and you know, the problem we get is we say, this is how you should measure yourself. And they say, but ETI uh, says this. And we say, yeah, but that isn't, you know, a lot of companies will say, a lot of companies we work with, in fact, the majority are SMEs. And they may say, well, you know, the market leader's doing this and we look inferior. And that's the problem with the definition rather than a definition, you know. So I think so far the, re the reception to the white paper has been very strong. We've had, I personally and the organizations had lots of interesting engagement from companies thinking what does this mean and i'm sure we're rubbing up some 
some people the wrong way. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that in my book. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're working with some big companies that are even, you know, ones that were technically classed as corporate, so would, would in theory have to align with SBTI, and even they can't do it. Yeah. Brands you would see in the supermarket. It's a very difficult one, isn't it? Because you've got, obviously... You know, the IPCC reports, you've got all this kind of amalgamation. You've seen it probably recently. The TCFD has been probably got rid of the, the amalgamation of all standards. There could be possibly one, which is good. Mm. Yeah, it's a good thing that you'll get to hopefully one global standard. Yeah. But the whole point yeah. of it is a whole global standard. And this is where, again, I find what you're trying to do quite interesting is setting a mark for a company sitting in Lisbon is very different to a company doing the same thing in Lagos, mm. right? Or Indonesia or wherever. Yes. And we seem to be trying, and I think this is where there's the frustration, is that it's all too much. It's all too complicated. So let's just not bother doing it. What do you think it would take? Mm. Does it need some sort of government intervention from the department for whatever it's called now, DESNES, <laughs> Energy <laughs> Security and Net Zero? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's changing. I think it is called DESNES, which is quite funny. Yeah. Um, but do you think we should be saying, right, do you know what? This is the gold standard, the SBTI. But we know that 99% of you won't be able to reach it. But here's what we want to do and set for you as a SME or a midsize. Mm a bunch of simple metrics that if you are a chip shop, if you are an office-based company, if you are a haulage firm, these are the sort of things. Do we need something different? Yes. Um, I think we do need a bit of standardization. Well, absolutely. And I think we, at some point, we'll probably have to get to the point where in the same way that you submit your annual accounts or whatever, you know, when you report your kind of financial figure for the year, you should probably report your carbon report your carbon yeah and it should be on on an intensity basis and i think that's where we'd be getting but we should be getting to and there should be that needs to be standardized i suppose as to how we do that the big thing that's missing there is how we enable you know kind of people to do that and well first of all technically we need solutions so people can improve but then we need the infrastructure i suppose to allow people to work out what this what this is the UK government is, isn't doing too badly on these these kind of things. It's sometimes it sends mixed messages, but it, it's by and large it's doing okay. But the problem is every country is doing something slightly different and people are approaching it differently. And that's actually one of the beauty of say the intensity approach is that if we all agree this is how we're going to do it, then we can compare companies in different geographical regions. The carbon foot, footprints will be different, but then we know that the the national grid in Poland is four or five times more carbon yeah. intensive than UK. Yeah. Know that, so that's okay. What are you hoping to do with this? And have you talked to, you know, your competitors, other consultancy firms, raised the idea? Is it just something you're trying to get more publicity for? Or, or is it just kind of an idea that you're trying to push towards, you know, creating something for your own client base? I think we're, I think it's important for us that we kind of feel, we work with some really good companies yeah. and we, we kind of, we feel for them in the sense that they're doing really great work and some of them create some fantastic products, um, cultural products like in production, for example, and you will know these companies and they're a joy to look, to kind of look at what they're producing. But on paper, when we look at the definitions, they get hammered um, in, a, mm. in an ability statement. And it's just... So what you're saying is they're trying their best. Yeah. But what they look like is a company that's not caring and, not, yeah. and is failing it. Yeah, but they've just commissioned a big production for the next three years. So, you know, and so... Unfortunately, you know, we're in a rapidly evolving space and, you know, sustainability, energy and net zero, it moves so rapidly at the moment, it's tough to keep up. But 
our role, I suppose, when we're going down the wrong path, we think we've got to shout about it. We've got to point this out. And ideal world, we would like this idea to be picked up and for it to be recognised at least as being on par with the idea of absolute and carbon budgets and recognised as a, a very legitimate way to do this. It's kind of, it's not one size fits all. And if we could get to that point, um, then we're going to judge companies and organisations fairly and not give them unfair criticism and evaluations because they're using a method that doesn't work for them. Have you come up with your own metrics now? And are you using any of these with the customers you already have? Have you sort of said to them, look, let's not worry about SBTI right now, but here's what we think is good for you to show mm. what you're progressing? Yeah, so we, we basically have a kind of a digital reporting system we use with our clients and we always report their footprints in two ways. Absolute, SBTI, there you go, that's, that's yours, just so you know how you sit with that. And then intensity metrics. And, right. that, and we always give them the both of those and um, those options so they have them and they can choose but naturally we we have with our smes we say you don't look good on here but that's not because you're a bad actor it's just because it's it's a methodology that doesn't work for you so focus on this and we want to help you and if we're tracking down three four five percent a year on intensity but on intensity basis then good for you and just to be clear when it comes to doing these intensity metrics, you've still got solid foundation of whether it's government data or whatever to base them on. That's what you're saying, yeah? Yeah, so all of the footprinting is done in line with the GHG yep. protocol and then various ISO standards, which are kind of a bit more sector specific if it's a product, for example, versus an organisation. Yeah. Um, that's all international uh, standard, but it's really about, it's almost a bit of an accountancy thing, really. It's We've calculated it in line with the standards, but then how do you actually put it in context and report it. And the key thing is not looking, not just summing everything and saying, there you go. It's summing and then dividing by what, how productive the company is. And that's the real, it's that final step, which is what we need to do. What do you think the state of net zero is right now? Because obviously there's been a lot of talk about it. Mm. You know, we've got now a department for it. And I, and I think that a lot of companies, certainly we talk to, you know, you go to the number of people who turn up at our events, there's an interest in it. But I still don't think everyone's actually got a handle on doing the basic thing is Agreed. year on year, just trying to cut their emissions. Why do you think there's a disagree? Maybe you disagree, but I, I, that's what I'm seeing. Mm. A lot of talk, a lot of good ambition, a lot of desire, but actually cutting mm. isn't happening as quickly as it should. Yeah, I think we've been, this is probably something that can be more direct, criticism that's more directed at probably maybe some of the the waters that we swim in. I think we've been we've been too much listening too much to the activists yeah. and the kind of people that say this is all easy, just just do it, just get cracking and you know do it tomorrow. Stop being hard. Yeah. It's all and you know there's a bit of a you know if we if we downplay that the challenges and we just say it's all just easy peasy, we get ourselves into this this challenge here when we're kind of and we're actually in I think we've had a couple of fit. We've had this kind of first initial craze um, and everyone's gone on, LinkedIn has exploded and everyone's marketing teams are, are going into overdrive. Yeah. And we're kind of in this implementation phase now mm. where they're ripping the road. And yet I'm not sure if you saw, but 100 companies lost their SBTI credential because they hadn't. And you look at those companies, if they could have, they would have a reasonable sum of money that the reason they didn't, they were struck off is because they had not reached their they could have reported easily but they didn't report because they didn't achieve yeah. um, reductions in my opinion and it's because the reality is it's kind of you know exerted itself and they've gone oh so we have this challenge with it, this is like that classic thing about you know the range of a car right it's all great on a test bed it's got you know particularly evs as i drive one you know oh it's 200 miles and mm. then in the real world 
you're getting 160, you're getting 150. Do you think the reality is biting that we've had this thing? Let's go for the target, let's sign up that flutter that we had probably 18 months, two years ago, where everyone was yeah. declaring left, right, and center. Now, what you've said is the reality of trying to do it mm-hmm. is really biting home. It is, it is, yeah. And, you know, I think the problem is that because the need is so urgent and that we have all these terms around climate emergency, climate crisis, things like that. Yeah, that's forcing the hand. Oh, this is so urgent. We just must, but you know, must doesn't make it happen. And we often kind of we always try and characterize this as you know, this is a marathon, not a sprint. It's something that's going. It's a thirty-year plan, and you know, it's great to have lofty net zero goals, but what we actually just need to get down to the the, the kind of it's and to be honest, it's a lot of the time decarbonization for us isn't very sexy. It's kind of maybe we could do this. You know, have you looked for another, another office with better air conditioning? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what we did. Yeah, it's, it's really not that exciting, you know. Yeah, exactly. And and that's the reality. But it makes the difference. Yeah. My final point to you is, look, I mean, I think there's a lot of stuff that you said is very, very valid, but people will kind of probably throw back to you to say, well, yeah, but you know what? We've got to have a global standard. Like you said, there's a real kind of drive from the eco lobby to say, this is just business making excuses. They could do it if they wanted to. How would you reply to that? If you're in the numbers and you're seeing it firsthand and you're involved in this, technically, of course, yes, it is possible. But what it would mean is you would have to tell a company Fire five people. Shut down your this department. If you're someone who's advocating for that level of severity, then okay, fair enough. That's your position. Kind of a degrowth mindset. It's not a society. Well, good luck. Yeah, because that's not that's not going to work. And that's why you know we're a big advocate of small incremental improvements and then an overwhelming amount of support from government and you know the the larger finance institutions as well for mm. you know, for loans for innovation for R&D on an epic scale because we need the big support the big breakthroughs to to as i said before put the options on the tables for these companies because that's the real world. No, and I think you're damn right. Chris, it's been a pleasure talking to you. And I agree with you. I think we've got to take everyone on the journey. And very prescriptive targeting, I think, is is not the way to go. So your message would be try and take whatever steps you can. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Brilliant. Thanks a lot for joining us on the Net Hero podcast. Pleasure. Thanks for your time. You've been listening to the Net Hero podcast with Summit Bose from Future Net Zero. Visit our platform for all things Net Zero. And if you or your business is doing great things on the path to net zero and want to be featured on the podcast, email nethero at futurenetzero.com. Follow us on social media. futurenetzero.com. Better business, better planet.